Hello Spectrumites and other people. My name is Forrest and welcome to the Pancake King, Life and Marriage on the Spectrum. The podcast for you to learn about the autism spectrum, learn what it's like for someone like me to live on the spectrum, and what marriage is like between two people on the spectrum. So I am pretty happy that you like agreed to do this sort of again, kind of. Because I've been doing an arc in this podcast about Mm -hmm. communication, how like different members of my family or like different friends and, you know, my wife, of course, how we like communicate with each other. And you're one of my Asby friends. (laughs) (laughs) So it just kind of only made sense to, um, you know, to kind of get together and talk about that again. Well, sure. So uh, I did an episode recently with my mother, actually, where she kind of talked a little bit about the ways in which she... um, learned to kind of communicate with my brother and I when we were kids. Um, One example that just kind of like stuck out to me was the fact that she needed to find a way to communicate what she like expected from us and um, and it wasn't enough to just tell us to do something so she kind of like made up a paper uh, and like put it on the door um, on our bedroom door that that would like say stop have you you know done like x y and z have you brushed your teeth you know like have you done Mm. devotions you know that type of thing and that was and then of course at the very bottom there was the threat if you don't do these things uh, no computer games today or whatever like you know basically outlining the expectations you know what needed to be done and what can't happen if if I don't do them so that was kind of my mom kind of realized that uh, she's uh, she can be a lot more effective with my brother and I when uh, requests or expectations came in writing so that was kind of uh, something that she laid out. Was there anything, do you remember, like your mother having to do something like that? Or did you were you able to take things pretty verbally? Um, for me, it's, I th- from what I recall, it was more so just like an explicit, like, okay, let's sit down. Like, okay, these are your chores. Mm-hmm. Like, right. kind of like from here on out, this is what I expect of you. As opposed to just like, hey, can you take, like... It couldn't be like an off comment or God forbid, uh, I have to read between the lines. Right. <laughs> even to this day, I'm not very good at that. Um, well, isn't that like in and of itself, isn't that like an autistic trait? Like not being able to like read between the lines, seeing yeah. the nonverbal cues or whatever, being yeah. able to read facial expressions. Um, for me, I, I always just tend to overanalyze those things. You know, I've always tend to like overthink those things. I mean, it doesn't help that. You know, my wife, for example, has a very stoic, you know, expression. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that has led to misinterpretation more times than I'd like to admit. Um, so that can be kind of a struggle, you know, particularly in relationships. Mm-hmm. That makes me think a little bit because I got my bachelor's in communications. So I feel like to some degree that helped compensate for my lowered charisma stat from having autism well that's one of the reasons why i have you here (laughs) (laughs) exactly but uh that makes me think about how there was one kind of part of the course that i one course i took i think it was nonverbal communication and there was one chapter we devoted to spotting liars Mm. and basically the the uh tldr of it is uh there's no 100 percent for sure way to tell when someone's lying because if i told you that usually someone lies when they kind of look up and to the left a liar will know not to do that mm-hmm. a, so a that's would... so you can't look up to, into the left that's what you're saying well if i told you that's generally when someone's lying mm-hmm. then when you're lying you'll know not to do that because that's a tell 
Okay. So that's why it's so hard to spot liars is because mm-hmm. liars know can find these things out and know not to do them. Well, I never, as a liar myself, I never figured that out. <laughs> no. uh, when I was a kid, I, I tended to lie a pretty decent number of times. Of course, mm-hmm. I'm not proud of that. Yeah. Um, but I never figured that out. That's yeah. interesting. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of the thing with most communication. Like, for example, like one thing we looked at was like a few a few politicians like hand signs. And for mm. example, like one politician we looked at, we were like, does this actually mean anything? And we were like, you know, maybe he does it to enunciate certain phrases, but does it actually mean anything? And we were like, and the professor was like, probably not. Because everyone kind of gestures a little bit with their hands, and there's there's only so much you can read into it. Right. Because right. everyone kind of has different expressions and so on and so forth. And in these courses, we never really talk too much about autism, if at all. Mm-hmm. But I imagine for autism, because so th- that's just the normal persons. Right. And we already right. have a... It depends. Right. So with autism, we turn that depends to, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or, or I shouldn't say I don't know, but more so like it's even more complicated. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so when you and I talk to each other, for example, because the, the funny thing is that like I didn't, you didn't tell me after uh, for a while that, you know, that you were on the autism spectrum. But by the time you told me, I guess it didn't surprise me. But I'm, I'm like, you know, I could have not known that my entire life would not have even noticed. Um, but then, like, when I think back on it, that kind of makes sense. You know, I mentioned in an episode in season one how... Uh, one of our mutual friends has like had asked me at one point is uh, is blade pissed at me (laughs) because you tend to have like a very stoic expression if you're not at least smiling Mm -hmm. um so yeah like as far as you you and i are concerned i can probably say that out of most of my friends and this isn't like you know a criticism of like the other conversations i have with um friends of mine but i can feel like i can uh like interact with you easier mm-hmm. you know you and i did like an old podcast for a while where we were able we could go on for like an hour really or yeah. even two on on different subjects and stuff like that the only the only times where you would get stumped is if it was a subject that you just really didn't know too much about you are the kind of person where if you really don't have a whole lot of knowledge of the subject you will openly admit that you know you'll say mm-hmm. i really don't know that much and or i need to kind of look into this more or one of my personal favorites i'm gonna need to see some data <laughs> <laughs> well because in, in in that case it's uh you feel your bs meter going up when i say something <laughs> it, well it's kind of one of those things of like especially when i say i need to see some data because you know everyone says well i think this kind of or gives anecdotal evidence it's Mm -hmm. like yeah well that's just your life are you the average or is that my experience yeah exactly so Mm -hmm. you know that's some of the reason why i sometimes say that because especially when it comes to like arguing like more serious topics like politics or theology or whatever you know it's like i think i'd like to work on more than just well you think this because of x thing in your life but (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's just kind of who I am, I guess, to some degree. I'm kind of very data-driven and, and kind of more matter-of-fact, I guess, mm-hmm. in some ways. And I think that's just because I love history, so... No, that that's fair. Now, you you mentioned uh, history. So you have kind of like um, quite a bit of a hyperfixation on history. Yeah. How do you think that hyperfixation has helped with the relationships around you? Do you often get to surround yourself with other people who are as passionate for history? Or do you... Um, or not? Does it really not make a, a change for you socially? Uh, so I feel like... 
I don't really have anyone that I could like sit down for hours and really have them engage with me like in a back and forth mm-hmm. um, for the most part. Um, but I do feel like I have my group of friends. They're usually more than willing to at least engage enough to hear me talk about something, especially if it's relevant. Like right. if like if I just start talking about, for example, the Polish Lithuanian Commonwealth for no reason, which I'm sure half the listeners don't even know what that is. <laughs> exactly, which is why I use it as an example. By the way, fun fact: it was probably the it was the it was probably the biggest almost democracy in uh, in Europe for the longest time. And here is where the hyperfixation comes out to shine. <laughs> exactly, but I think for me, like that's one thing I've like if I had hyperfixate on anything. Of history, I think it's a very good thing because it's just such a wide, broad field that you can mm. like. There's just so much to they. There's no, for the most part, at least for me, there's been no like rabbit hole. I get just so totally st- stuck in that like I just can't get out because there's always something new to learn. Right, right. And a yeah. lot of it's so interconnected that just is like, oh yeah, so this comes up later. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I, I will admit, like when you have a hyperfixation, that's kind of. It is kind of mostly to yourself. You don't know a whole lot of people that um, are really into it, at least not many people that you talk to frequently. Mm-hmm. You know, so, for example, uh, you know, I'm the only one in our home that really cares about uh, the whole Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul um, saga. And, um, and that's fine. Like, I'm not in grief over it. <laughs> you know, it's just something that I kind of keep to myself. But I only just recently got you into watching Breaking Bad. Yep. But I still can't talk to you about everything because you are so slow on watching TV shows. This is one of the differences between you and I. Um, I can burn through a TV show pretty quickly if I'm pretty passionate about it. Or, you know, if, of course, it's a, if it's a weekly show, I'll stay on top of that. Uh, Star Wars Bad Batch is tonight, that's right. And, um, you know, but, like, for you, it's like three months after you started the show, oh, yeah, I'm still just a few episodes into season two. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Well, and for me, like, I just don't like binging things. Yeah. Like, you, I unpurposely yeah. kind of am a little bit more slow and methodical because I found when I do binge things, it becomes instead of a, oh, yeah, that episode I remember watching, like, instead of thinking on the one or two episodes, because I usually will sit down and watch, if it's like a 30-minute show, like, mm-hmm. for example, like, a lot of anime, like My Hero Demon, for example, mm-hmm. I'll watch, like, two episodes. Um, but kind of going back to, um, like, the kind of the hyperfixation stuff, for me, I... You know, I used to be a lot more obsessed with Marvel than I am now because I just kind of feel like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is in a really creative slump. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Black Panther 2 enough. Uh, I'm showing that to my brother uh, this weekend, actually. Oh, okay. Um, so that'll be fun. And I'm looking forward to watching it again. It's not yeah. one of those movies that I'm dreading. Um, it was good enough that I could see it again. Um, the problem is that, like, uh, a couple years ago, you know, um, in the before times, um, when Netflix still had, like, this lineup of, like, Marvel shows, and there were, like, these adult shows like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, stuff like that, um, not only would they release those 13-episode seasons, but they would also, it, it was something that I could do over the weekend. And I would yeah. typically finish the whole season over the weekend, like, but that's how into it I was. Um, I kind of regret watching Daredevil Season 3 as quickly as I did because it was so good. I would have liked to enjoy it a little bit longer. It was also coming out on the same weekend that I was um, 
kind of going in between places before I got my first apartment. Mm -hmm. And so that was actually like, I just had it on in the background as I was packing, you know? So that was just nice. It was nice to have. Um, Except for the times when I would just like be like hypnotized by the screen and not packing. Hyperfixations, you know, there are areas where they, you know, they tend to not have their limits because I will binge a show that I'm very passionate about if it's part of a property I'm very passionate about. Um, And a lot of time can be spent on said thing. For me, hyperfixations kind of come out more in video games for me, especially when I get a new game or I start like a new playthrough in a game I really like is usually when my hyperfixation starts. Like recently I started playing a game that I've put a lot of time in and it was just like for a while I would make it more of a point to make time to play it. Mm-hmm. And I would be thinking about it a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of one of those deep historical strategy games. Mm-hmm. So it kind of takes all the boxes for me. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. that's one reason why, like, I think over the last, like, two months, I played it a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was only the other day I was like, okay, I'm, I'm getting kind of bored of this finally. Let's let's stop here. So it's kind of funny. I would, I would just, like, throw this out as, a, as an aside. Since we're just on the topic of hyperfixations right now, mm-hmm. here's something I'm hy- hyperfixated by. Um, they just recently came out... Uh, I think it was yesterday. You may have seen it. I don't know. But they just announced that um, Jedi Survivor is actually being delayed to April 28th. And I'm actually perfectly fine with this. Because because, um, Last of Us Part 1 comes out on PC uh, in March, uh, mid-March. And Jedi Survivor was originally supposed to come out near the end of March. Well, here's the problem. My computer isn't even going to be set up by the time Jedi Survivor comes <laughs> out because, um, you know, you know that uh, my wife and I are moving. Yep. And um, so I'm like, oh, perfect. Jedi Survivor will be out April 28th. By then, we will be moved in, settled in, and my computer will be all set up and ready to go because I want to play through Last of Us Part 1 probably like in the last days before we move. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with it. it, it is lit- I am literally okay with it just for convenience alone. <laughs> well, and generally, you know, it being delayed is good because obviously the game developers are like, we need the extra time. And They said it was mainly bug fixes. Good. Just getting the that all taken care of. So I guess in the last like eight to ten minutes, we've literally just made a demonstration of how we interact <laughs> with each other. I mean, yeah. um, people are gay in it now because again, in, in our old podcast, this was just how we talked. So, yeah. and I think especially when you first brought up the topic to me, I was just kind of like, well. I don't exactly know how we talk differently, how I talk differently to you than other friends, and I think that's just because we're so much on the same wavelength. Maybe, and I think yeah. that's probably why we became such good friends. Yeah, maybe yeah. even unknowingly, you know, because you didn't get diagnosed until long after we met. So yeah, it's yeah, gonna yeah, be right. unknowingly we're on the same wavelength by a year, you know. But yeah, yeah that, that's that's close enough. Um, yeah, no, uh, it's kind of funny because. Usually, it, like, everyone talks to, like, each of their friends differently. There are different wavelengths. I think that can be actually, it can actually be harder for me to be on the same same wavelength as someone who is, um, you know, neurotypical. And mm-hmm. that's, of course, nothing against them, you know, personally. It's just, it's something where I have to think more about how to talk to this person. Um, whereas with you, I don't really have to think about it, hmm. you know. Um 
Uh, I think we've definitely kind of like reshuffled, you know, topics a little bit over the last um, over the last several years. Where it's like there are certain things where you're just like, okay, I don't really want to talk about this anymore. Um, you know, let, let me give an example of this. Okay, okay, so, please do. <laughs> to perfectly demonstrate what you're talking about. So. For the for the longest time, I, I would DM a Dungeons and Dragons group between our friends, between our small group of friends. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure you remember in the years, years after the last Jedi came out. Oh yes. And yeah. be- beginning of every D and D session, and we would meet like every other week. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of the time, <laughs> before we'd start, you know, we'd usually hang out. That's totally fine. Yeah. Except most of the a lot of the time, it would devolve down to kicking the dead horse. <laughs> that is the last Jedi. Yeah. And uh-huh. I remember just saying, thinking, I think it was in, even in, all the way in 2019, I'd be like, guys, we've kicked the dead horses, <laughs> entire family at this point. Never. <laughs> Kicked them all to death. The, the the man, the woman, and the children. All of them. <laughs> Not just the men, but the, but women, the women and the children, children too. too. <laughs> and I remember just getting, like, at that point, like, guys, I'm getting sick and tired of this. Like, it was like, we've already had two other Star Wars movies since then. You know, that too. <laughs> that was some of my frustrations. Like, please, something else. What new <laughs> more is there to discuss? We all agree it's a bad movie. That's where, like, the, I think the hyperfixation can kind of like it, it can get it can kind of get in the way i think of, of certain you know relationships and that's yeah. a difficult thing to do i mean i stress this a lot um on my Substack, for example i stress a lot that your basically your spectrumite you know quote unquote your spectrumite loved ones are not always going to talk about things that you care about and mm-hmm. not only that they will stretch the limits <laughs> for which you are okay with, and you know this is how you um, this is how you communicate with them about it. This is how you, instead of saying, instead of saying to the person, "I don't want to hear about this anymore," it's uh, um, the one of the best things to do is instead of trying to be a good talker in that scenario, try to be a good listener. You know, at least be willing to listen for a little while, and then. Once you feel like you are you are reaching that limit, then you tell them politely. Um, um, I, I'd like to talk about something else, if that's okay. Is there something else that you would be interested in talking about? So that was um, that was something that I've kind of been uh, writing about a lot in my articles, <clears throat> and even, of course, like including in the podcast. Yeah, and like kind of like thinking on that a little bit because like. I feel like I'm usually pretty good about, like, at least not getting to the point of talking to people about things that at least I mostly care about. Mm-hmm. I, I usually have at least a good, like, keeping a good ceiling on it of not going too over overboard with it mm-hmm. with people. And I've found that, at least personally, one thing that I do to try at least make it more of, like, it's something that they can engage with more is trying to find, like, if they talk about something that they enjoy, it's trying to find where we cross over in that. So like Mm kind of one reason why I like studying history so much is that history is not just politics. It's 
advancement of science, religion, language, economics, people, economics, economics too, yeah. so on and so forth. So that gives me a lot of tools to mm-hmm. basically find something that I can engage with other people about. Right, um, right. So that's at least what I kind of do to try and engage more with people when they don't talk about things that aren't necessarily my wheelhouse, for example. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's what I do. And I find yeah. that's kind of a lot of fun. Sometimes it's very much trying to bend the tool the way it shouldn't. <laughs> but, you know, it's... That's what I try to do. You probably noticed this, and I and I say this in, in kind of an endearing way because I think it's kind of endearing that my uh, that my wife does this. Is is I, I love how well you know love is a strong word, but <laughs> I, I think it's cute that. Um, she will start talking to someone about something that has been like really on her mind lately and something that she really loves but she kind of she'll say it she'll talk about it in a way as if the other person already knows exactly what she's talking about um and i'm like i'm like you do realize that this person has no idea what you're talking about, right? You know, like, you know, poor Blade over here has no idea what this even is, but you're talking to him as if you've already had, like, five or six other conversations about it with him. And again, I'm, it, it's not, it doesn't make me pull my hair out. I think mm-hmm. it's cute. Um, and she's getting better <laughs> about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's also something that, like, Spectrumites can run into, too, when they talk to someone about something that, like, they act as though the other person already gets it, already knows, and already understands. Um, and uh, that can be difficult for a Spectrumite to kind of, like, adjust that, because they will typically always talk about the first thing that's, you know, like, that's on their mind, or has been on their mind for, the, for hours, yeah. <laughs> you know? That's what they would want to talk about. I've even had, like, uh, brief conversations with, um, you know, with my wife before, like, friends come over and stuff like that. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell her they have no idea what this is. So <laughs> for everybody's sake, you know, it's probably best that you just try something else. Yeah. Like, I, I, I definitely remember having conversations that they're kind of like that. And, like, <laughs> believe it or not, BTS comes up a lot. And, yes. <laughs> well, like, I remember there's been a few times where it's like she'll talk about, like, for example, when BTS was the uh, was uh, the, them being recruited into the military because mm-hmm. the Republic of South Korea has uh, mandatory military conscription. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that's something I can better engage with than BTS in of itself. Right. So yeah. I remember that's what it, that's kind of the thread I pulled on to kind of keep the conversation going and interesting. Mm-hmm. And especially since she mentioned that, like, I was like, okay, she wants to talk about this. So that's kind of an example of what I was saying before. Since I love history, I have a lot of different tools to pull on to right. try but, to engage in conversations. But again, you're like, you're such a good listener that I, you know, um, and I'm sure you weren't trying to, like, put up a facade, obviously. You weren't trying to, like, you know, pre- pretend or anything that you were interested. Um, you were just able to stay engaged in that way, being a good listener. And you were kind of giving me this advice the other day, like ask questions, you know, as uh, you're having these conversations or repeat certain things back. It's an indicator that you are listening and you are at the very least following along. Yes. And that's like, that's not just great advice for Spectrumize. That's great advice for anyone in general. Oh yeah. Uh, Because I feel like that's one thing that that's kind of helped me feel more n- normal most of the time is that not only did I get that help early on in life, but I literally went to school to learn how communication between people works. Right. So even though in many ways, you know, still having autism affects me in some ways, it just is more very far in the back of my mind that I usually forget about because of those things. 
Wellblade, would you like to continue having communication in the bonus content? Sure, why not? <laughs> All right, then we'll go ahead and do that. See you guys next week. Hey guys, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast, write a review to help the show grow, and subscribe to my Substack at thepancakeking.substack.com to receive updates on new podcast episodes, a new blog post every Saturday, and other content I may put out. You can also check out the entertainment me, KG, and my friends make together on our YouTube channel, Vanzot Productions. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.